Welcome to Destinations by Design. Prepare to dive into the biggest events, weddings, and design feats here in Las Vegas and beyond. Here's your host, Zachary Green. On this episode of Destinations by Design, we're talking about staffing shortages, especially during a time when more people are getting sick and taking time off for their mental health. What can live event companies look at doing to give their employees the time off they need while still putting on multiple large-scale events without key players? It's not easy, and it takes planning. That's happening right now on Destinations by Design. And joining us for today's episode, Harvey Stern is the CEO of Destinations by Design, and Joyce Boisel is the Director of Talent and Engagement. Harvey Joyce, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, as I mentioned, we're really having a conversation here about staffing, about people. They are the bread and butter of any organization. They make the wheels turn. And Harvey... I don't want to focus too much on the past, but you were the CEO of Destinations by Design during the COVID-19 pandemic. We're still kind of in it, but briefly talk to us about what that was like in terms of managing, retaining, and possibly hiring new staff. Yeah, I think we've all been through different (laughs) times, whether that's recessions or acts of terrorism that, that causes business to stop. But this is something we have never seen in modern day times, the last pandemic being 100 years ago. And just to go back in time for a minute, this came out of the blue, right? In that 2019 was a great year for most companies. The first quarter of 2020, everyone was terming it best ever. And then boom, stopped. And some companies, you know, benefited from that stoppage because they're in the business that might have done more cleaning or did more virtual events or whatever it might be. But for us, it was a complete stop. When you don't have events, you don't need DVD. You know, we're an in-person live event company. So it was traumatic. It was dramatic and it was intense. And you go from a very large employee base, as most companies had to do, we had to lay people off. We had to tell them that, sorry, You try and do things to mitigate, like maybe paying insurance for the first month or two or trying to keep as many people on. But the reality is this was a prolonged situation. And then as you look forward, now people are used to working from home with those if they were working virtually. People were used to not working. It's like an athlete getting your muscle tone back. It was hard to get people to come back to work. Partly fear, partly the unknown. It was interesting times. And although we had some starts and stops, the business went from 100 to zero to 50 to 60 to 70 to 60 to 80. It just was all over the place. And you had the fear of the pandemic still behind you. I won't tell you what time of year, but we had an outbreak at the building and we had many, many events going on. And the first thing we did was we brought testing in to make sure that we knew who was sick and who wasn't because the sick people were getting other sick. And we had to send about what? Five people tested five, positive. Five that tested day, positive that were working that one day. Yeah, so it was it was challenging, and and I will tell you, in my opinion, I think people have come back different from the pandemic. It has affected us as a human race. When you say different from the pandemic, can you kind of elaborate on that? 
some people had a lot of time home not working to read and, and think about what they did and how, how business worked or maybe become proficient in other areas and no longer wanted to do X, maybe wanted to try Y. So you had a lot of people changing professions. We talk about the great resignation. We talk about the great reset. And it affected a lot of people's psyche. If you were one who had to continue working, we've talked about this, Joyce. If someone mm-hmm. was kept on the job, on payroll, that job was nothing like they were hired to do most probably. And it was very, very difficult to do it. And it burnt them out. So you had people who didn't work at burnt out, people who did work at burnt out. Everyone looked at business coming to work differently. Now, Joyce, you're in HR. You help people go through the hiring and onboarding process. Can you talk about what it's been like trying to staff a live events company over the last year? Yeah, well, we've certainly had our challenges, but I think we've been lucky in a lot of ways that a lot of former DBD team members were looking forward to coming back. They wanted to come back to work here. They liked it. They missed it. They wanted to still be part of the team. So we did rehire a lot of people. And then we have a good reputation in the industry. So there are other people who really kind of want to be part of our team. But one of the things that we've really tried to do, and this is one of the strategies that Harvey wanted to put behind our hiring, is that we're not just hiring to fill spaces. We're not just bringing in bodies. We want to be more planful about the positions that we're filling and make sure that we have people who are in focused on the right kinds of things to get us back on the right path and not just keep doing things the way that we've always done, but to be better and be stronger and position ourselves for success in a better way. Now, there was a strange crux for a lot of companies, a lot of businesses, and most likely in the live events business where you were at standstill. A lot of companies laid off employees. They didn't know how they'd rehire them or bring them back. But then it was almost like someone switched on the green light, let's go, and everything came back quickly. Can you talk about that period of, okay, people want us to go, go, go again, but I don't know if we can go because we don't have the people to do it. We always took the position that we could figure it out, that we have an amazing group of people and they were excited to be back in business, be back in the event business. So it wasn't so much we didn't know if we could do it. It might be how, we're a little rusty, but we always moved it forward. A lot of that is planning, a lot of that is engaging your employees, letting them know what's going on. You know, there are some people that are afraid to be in, in groups of other people. There are some people that get used to working from home. But I think it was always about we're going to move this forward. We're going to find a way. It's like any other time in the event business, you know, you're, you're always challenged with how to make it happen. But communication. And, and one of the things we learned early on was also about educating the employees. There was talk about mandates. And I talked to a lot of colleagues and a lot of, a lot of scholars. And I realized that it wasn't so much about telling people what you had to do, but trying to explain to them why we wanted you to do it, how it was better for you. And realizing that not everyone was going to get a vaccine, but if enough did, that was good for the company. We, so we started working on educating and, and really trying to get them to understand the whys and the hows and, and how to be safe. We put up a lot of signs. We did mass stations. If someone wasn't feeling well, we sent them home. If they did get COVID you know, and they could work, we let them work from home. So I think flexibility is paramount to any big change that's going on. There were a lot of companies that kind of had to push the hands of employees, make them get vaccines or they couldn't stay. That wasn't the case for DBD. 
I want to talk about that a little bit, maybe from an HR perspective of what was the decision there in thinking of putting people first in that thought process? Well, when we were faced with the possibility of the OSHA mandate, obviously we had discussions about it. And, you know, at one point we thought we were going to have to mandate it. It wasn't going to be an option. When that didn't happen, Harvey and I had many conversations about it. And instead of mandating it, we thought it would be better to do what we could to encourage people, like Harvey said, to educate them, to do things every now and then. We would have special drawings for everyone who's vaccinated. You have the opportunity to win a $500 gift card or something like that. And so we've just tried to keep the lines of communication open to talk to people about vaccines, to keep encouraging them. We have had conversations about the fact that some of our clients are requiring it. And so we want as many people to be vaccinated as possible. And there might come a time when a certain employee can't go on site for a given program because they're not. And so we've had those conversations with our people about it. And I think that we've encouraged a few more people to get them than might otherwise have done it. I mean, there still are just going to be people who don't want to do it and are probably not going to do it. But we're going to continue to encourage them. And hopefully, as there's more positive information out there about the vaccines and about the effects and that it's not dangerous, like people initially thought and those kinds of things that more people will be willing to do that. I want to talk about missing cogs in a machine. Because for a machine to work at full capacity, you need almost every cog working in unison. And just the state of the business world right now is there's not enough qualified candidates to fill positions. There aren't enough people even applying to fill different roles. And Harvey, you mentioned that we make the best of what we have and we're going to figure out a way to do it. How does that impact the operation? not having every role that you need filled. It greatly impacts it. It's a real friction drag on our ability to be the best we can be. Now, you, again, you have to work around that. The interesting part is I think every company goes through this individually. You lose key people. People may, may go work elsewhere or whatever. For whatever reason, you, you know, you're down bodies. Rarely is it when everyone, you, your client, your vendors, your providers, are in the same position. So I think also there's a little bit of understanding and I don't think anyone wants to use COVID as an excuse, mm -hmm. but it is a reality. And there are times we had to say, we are not gonna be able to do that by this date. We just need a couple more days because we're understaffed and, and you never want to share your business. Obviously, you know, that's a key component is we don't want to tell people we're understaffed. We don't have enough bodies, but everyone's going through that. It's almost a helping each other by talking about in terms of that as opposed to making believe it doesn't exist. So it is a difficult situation. You're faced with those throughout your career and throughout your business modeling and, and your strategic planning. You just have to adjust and reinvest and think about what works, what doesn't. And it's actually helped us think deeper than just COVID, deeper than just the situation we're in. What, what are we best at? Does that help or hurt us given COVID, given the pandemic, given the changes, the current workforce? And, and if it does, how do we adjust for that? I want to know, how has employment changed in the current state of where we're at? We're experiencing record high gas prices, inflation. It's a lot harder to live jobs that paid a great wage even a year ago to two years ago. Now it almost feels like a lot of people say they're living paycheck to paycheck. How do you compete with other companies to retain personnel and 
also still offer a competitive wage and and those conversations just in the live event space? It's fluid. And again, I think what you said, though, you have to have conversations about it. You can't just give one person a raise. You know, everyone's going to want to raise. And and again, as a leader, we all recognize that there's no one going to come up to you in the company that says, hey, I'm well paid. Thanks for that. You can take some money back. <laughs> just doesn't happen. They, they all feel they're, they're worth more. And they probably are. But you have to look at the totality of the company. You know, like you said, you got cost of goods going up. You have labor going up. You have shortages. You know, recession fears at the, on the horizon. So you have to balance all that. But you must retain talent. This building is only amazing and and this company is only amazing because not of the colors we paint the walls, not of the of the materials that we get in, but the employees that come to work every day. It becomes about engagement and money is very important, but I truly believe that the totality of employment, having a fun place to work, feeling well treated, not threatened, that if you make a mistake it's a problem. And you know, in the old days when you were so busy, if you get written up if you did something wrong. Now I say break it. Let's figure out a better way to make it. So we've kind of changed some of the paradigms of, of how we do business because now's the time to change it. Like we said, coming back from the pandemic, you must return different than you left. If you come back the same, you're already behind. Joyce, I'd love to know just from an HR perspective, looking at the live events world and the current state of the world, as I mentioned, with inflation and higher cost of living, just what are what are your thoughts on what you're seeing and what's going on right now? Obviously, we have to be competitive when it comes to pay. But to get the best quality of people, I think you need to provide a well-rounded employment experience, right? So maybe we're not paying top dollar, but you get really good experience and you learn a lot working here. And you get to work on top-notch events with people who've been in the industry for a really long time. And that's value. that has value in and of itself. We spend a lot of time on employee engagement and communication. That's a huge part of our focus because it's, again, it's the whole employment experience. It's not just about how much money we're paying people. But there's a realization that a lot of people chose to leave the hospitality industry because they want to go someplace that's more stable and not as likely to be hit that hard by something like COVID again. And it is a challenge. I will say that some positions are easier to recruit for than others. And we make the best with what we have. Some positions are remaining open longer than they otherwise might have. But the goal is to fill them with the right people, not just to fill them with a warm body. So we want to make sure we're paying attention to that. And that while those positions remain open, the other people who are here kind of filling in the gaps aren't overtaxed and that they know that they're appreciated and they're valued and what they're doing matters to us and to the company and the success of the business. And we had a little bit of a conversation too about the current state of just hiring right mm-hmm. now um, and some of the things you're seeing. And, and I'd love for you to briefly just talk about when you get an application for position, what is, is that application qualified? Are you getting what you're seeing? Like, what are you experiencing? Yeah, unfortunately, we're getting fewer applications for 
most of the positions that we're posting. Whereas before I might get a couple hundred applications for one job, I'm getting less than 50 for some positions that we're opening. And to be honest, the majority of the candidates who are applying don't even meet the minimum qualifications for those positions. Whether it's because they're just trying to stretch or they're just trying to get something or what it is, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's been very challenging to recruit for some of our open positions. We've had some that have been open for months just because we can't find qualified candidates. I think it's a little bit of everywhere in, in many companies, many industries. And it's, it is a bit baffling. I'm uncertain to really why that is. I think there are a lot of people out there who want to work and who would love to be here. And, you know, whether it's a DVD or wherever here is, you know, when you talk to colleagues, it is a bit baffling on why it's so tight. I think the pandemic has something to do with it. I think, you know, the fears of inflation and it's hard to get people to leave a job with uncertainty in general. Once you're in a job, you're set, right? Why do I want to take a risk with another company when I'm already taking a risk with pricing and housing costs and gas costs. It just gets worse and worse and worse and you find comfort maybe where you are. So I think there's less movement naturally at times like this, but it is a bit baffling. I mean, I think we all scratch our head a little Mm bit. You know, it's one of these things I think we'll have figured out well in the rear view mirror as you look back. (laughs) I'm talking to Harvey Stern, the CEO of Destinations by Design. I'm also speaking with Joyce Boisel. She's the Director of Talent and Engagement at Destinations by Design. And we've been talking about this post-COVID staffing, what we're seeing in the live events world when it comes to people and some of the experiences that this company has gone through and what we've kind of seen in the world of live events. I want to transition now to talking about solutions and talking about what's been done to work with what we have. And Harvey, sometimes things don't go as planned. You have an event planner who gets sick. Nowadays, a lot of people are still getting COVID, or maybe there's a death in the family, or someone needs to take time off. Talk about having a backup plan when the original plan goes awry. So this event that you're planning doesn't suffer. Whenever we do events, you you want to have redundancy. I subscribe to the theory that I call the 80-20 rule. If you have 80% planned, then the 20% of uh uh-oh can be handled. If you're 20% planned and you're 80% uh uh-oh, you're in trouble. And we've seen that so many times. We had a very, very uh, large event over a recent citywide group that that was in town. And six of the key employees for the planning went out with COVID between the day before and the day of. And, you know, from all different parts. It wasn't just one set of people. It was six different areas of planning that this was affecting. But because we were well-planned and because we still had the right people in place, you can fill other people in. And that's the great thing about live events. There's always someone to jump in. There's always someone who can help. We live on that adrenaline. That's what we love about live events. We know once that rock is rolling down the hill, we're not trying to stop it. We're trying to get it to roll faster and have some fun with it. That works as long as you're well-planned. The tough part is, is that the plans after that get affected. So every time you set a plan in motion and you change it, you have to reset the next three or four sets of plans into different motion. So it is kind of like, you know, where it just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you've got to get control of it. Again, the great thing about live events is you might have a couple one day, you might have several the next day, but there's going to be a break either for setup or breakdown. And you just have to learn to regroup, stay calm and continue to figure it out. But flexibility is the key because nothing goes 100% as planned. 
I'd love to know from both of you the perspective of thinking about employees and maybe the thought process of we need to give this person time off because they're sick or this person they've been working for three weeks straight nonstop maybe it's time to have a conversation about looking at vacation time or like doing something for their own health. I just would kind of like to know, kind of to keep the mental health and the morale of your employees up, what what are the discussions that are being had? I mean, we certainly have had to encourage a couple people to take time off and to reassure them that if they just took a couple days off to kind of rest, relax, regroup, whatever, recharge their batteries, that the world as they know it isn't going to cave in and fall apart and that we have their back. And I think we're lucky here in that we have employees who can pitch in and are willing to pitch in and help when someone needs to be out. But there are people who are hesitant to do that because they're concerned about things falling apart in their absence. So we just make sure that we encourage them to take the time when they have the opportunity to do it and and assure them that we're not going to let things fall apart in the couple days that they take time off. I think COVID or, or whatever the reason is, you know, in, in your career, you're going to find occurrences that cause you to step back for a moment. You know, in my own career, I, I, I can't tell you the stories of how I had this very big wedding and I got into a very big car accident and I went to a very big hospital and I could not make that party, but the party went on. And, you know, we all know an unfortunate time where someone passed and, you you know, you basically just walked away at that moment and, and family and friends and the situation of life and, and death was more important. When my first child was born, you know, I went to work because my wife had not, that was the agreement. I will go to work for this wedding that I've been working on for a while if you're not in labor. And she was not in labor when I left. But after I sent him down the aisle, someone had to come and get me because my wife went into labor and she called the hotel. And I was not there when the bride and groom came back but they were married 10 years later. So we have to put this into perspective. And I think that's part of what people are starting to do in general, maybe too much perspective, but they're starting to realize you don't have to be there. Live events and the, again, that, that adrenaline, what you love to do in the event business keeps you there, keeps you focused, keeps it about you and your client. But you got to learn whether you are the leader of the organization or you are the employee or you're a manager that there's a life outside. There's a balance and, and, you know, we all are, are learning that better mental health makes for better employees when they're burnt out and they can't answer a phone without being frustrated the phone rang again or they can't take another lead or they don't want to talk to another client or they don't know how to be friendly because they haven't had enough time off or sleep or away time, me time. It's bad for business. I used to have a, a rule that you couldn't work a seventh day unless I approved it because I wanted to understand why someone would have to work seven days. Was it lack of the company planning for your success to get a day off? Was it you not willing to give time away? What was the reason? And there are many reasons where we have to work a sixth, seventh day, but sometimes it's just poor planning and often seven becomes 13. So we want to be very careful with employees and making sure we find that balance. Nothing's perfect, but you got to find that right position. Joyce, Ultimately, when you lose employees, the workers you have need to pick up the responsibility, completing the unfinished tasks, helping out with extra events. How do you keep the amount of work that needs to be completed manageable so your employees don't become overwhelmed in that sense? Well, as much as we can, I think we try to 
anticipate those kinds of things and plan for the events that are coming up. Try to get ahead so we're not necessarily doing everything at the last minute. And make sure that our employees, to some extent, have a certain level of cross-training. So if they do need to pick up the slack for someone who's not here, they can do that relatively easily. And I think that we've done pretty well with a lot of that kind of stuff here and that people are, again, willing to pitch in and help out where and when they can. I think the other thing to, to look at is onboarding, offboarding. If we do onboarding and offboarding correctly, a lot of what Joyce is talking about happens naturally. And the part about offboarding is, for me, I've always used a racetrack analogy. When we're all working, we're 150 miles an hour around that track. A new employee comes on, they can't get into the fast lane with us. We will crash like no tomorrow because they can't drive as fast as we can. We know the straightaways, we know the curves, we know how to navigate the track. So the idea of onboarding is getting that employee to start in the slow lane until he or she feels comfortable, get into the middle lane, and then into the fast lane. And the same is true when you, someone's leaving, is to get them from the fast to the middle to the slow lane so they can exit gracefully. I've seen situations where a person is given three, four weeks notice and their last day is doing a 12-hour day with two events. That's not offboarding. That's unacceptable. So, you know, you have to find that comfort level. And if employees know coming in that the onboarding and the offboarding is for the employee's benefit as well as the company's, to Joyce's point, things will start to work between employees. We start turning files over. We start to make sure that the employees are comfortable with processes so that it never becomes a problem. It's been reported that after the pandemic, 50 to 60% of workers chose not to return to their field of work and instead search for jobs with more flexible hours and higher pay. For people who stayed at DBD throughout the pandemic, love to know your thoughts on what made them stay and really what set you guys apart from other companies where they didn't want to leave? That's easy. They were the other 40 to 50%. <laughs> Joyce, how about your thoughts? I think that in order to do what people do in this industry, the hours that they work and how hard it is, I mean, they're passionately committed to what they do, to this company, to the job, to the events that they support, to the clients that they work with, to their coworkers. And for them, it's not necessarily about one event or another event. It's about the experience as a whole. They love it. Yeah, so. that's well said. It's not a job. It's a passion. It's a career. It's a commitment. You have to love it. And it's not just our industry. I mean, you know, we specialize in our industry, <laughs> yeah. but I think many other industries and many other employees in other industries have to decide between if it's a job or is it a career? You know, how many hours I worked when, in, earlier in my career when it was just a job, but I knew it was where I wanted to be in my career and it helped me get to my profession. So it's just a perspective. It's a hard backdrop now, but I don't think it's that much different deciding that you have to put your time in to learn, to grow, to become the employee, and if you want to, the manager, and ultimately the leader. I always call a doorframe. You got the three sides of the doorframe, and the idea now is where in the doorframe do I want to be? Do I want to stay on one side? Do I want to continue to transgress the doorframe? Now, after going through the pandemic, COVID-19, and living in this post-pandemic world and managing live events, do you feel more confident in your company's ability to 
navigate and even weather economic turmoil or something were to happen again, like a recession. That's the big word that's coming around again. Yes. And I say that from a perspective of when you have great team members who all believe in the company, I don't care if it's a pandemic, a recession, labor shortage, price points, what, you know, whatever it will be thrown at you, it is just another setback on the road to success. And as long as we're keeping our, our employees focused and well communicated to, you know, we'll turn any negative situation into a positive. You know, great companies are not companies that do great revenue. Great companies are companies that have been around for a long time. There are many companies, including this one. This one's been around for 33 years. They've seen recession. They've seen setbacks. They've seen bad things happen in all different phases and ways. You learn from it. You grow from it. You know, I don't want to get spiritual on you, but this is what makes you better. Someone recently told me this, Joyce. <laughs> if it was easy to do this, they wouldn't need me. They do it themselves. Right, exactly. <laughs> and and you think in terms like that, and I think for all employees, for all, all of us listening and talking about this, it's... What is the perspective? Is the perspective, it's hard? Or is perspective, this, this hard thing coming at us or we're in, just sets us up to be that much better, that much more thoughtful, that much more quality, that much more cost containment. Nothing's perfect, but as long as you're working towards that, I'm excited for whatever they got, whatever's next. It's not a job, it's a passion. And that's really been kind of the focus point of this conversation as we talk about staffing shortages and we talk about living past the pandemic, learning to live, manage companies, look at live events in a way that we've never had to do this before. I want to thank Harvey Stern, the CEO of Destinations by Design. I also want to thank Joyce Boisel, the Director of Talent and Engagement at Destinations by Design. Thank, Thank you. you. Pleasure. This is Destinations by Design.